When it comes to the offense of the 2022 Cincinnati Bearcats, there are two questions. Who is the starting quarterback, and can this offense be as good as last year's? Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day or first watch of every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Still up to 430 subscribers and counting. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day, bringing all of my experiences from my days as sports director of UC's Bearcast Media and bringing them here to the Lockdown Bearcats podcast. Welcome to the 2022 football season. We are in season. Camp has concluded at Camp Higher Ground. The Bearcats are now back in Clifton preparing for their season opener, which is 12 days away against the Arkansas Razorbacks. On today's show and on this show throughout this week, it is a season preview five different ways. Today's the offense. Tomorrow's the defense. Wednesday, Russ Heldman and James Rapine will be on the show. Thursday, we've got the 700 WLW broadcast crew for the Bearcats on the show. And then hopefully on Friday, Chris Benini of The Athletic. So, offensively, the Cincinnati Bearcats. I don't think that we truly grasp, we haven't and we still have not, how good this offense was last year. The Bearcats averaged six. yards per play. That means after every, that means if it's first and 10, they were facing a very manageable second and three. They were averaging just under a first down per play. That's ninth most in the country, their average yards per play. 70 touchdowns, an average of five per game. If you take away the Cotton Bowl, it's over that. They averaged 36.4 points per game. 36.4 including 510 in 13 games. That is incredible. And I say that's incredible because the truth with the Cincinnati Bearcats is that they are not historically this dynamic on offense. Normally, the Bearcats are ground and pound, ball control, run first. But last year was so unique because they had that experienced quarterback with dynamic playmaking abilities. Alec Pierce had a year that took him to being a second-round draft pick. There were breakouts from Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. There was a quick strike. They were a quick strike offense. They could score in less than a minute. They could score on the first play of a possession. They could score whenever they wanted to, basically. You wanted to score, they gave you a score. You needed a touchdown, they gave you a touchdown. Like in Notre Dame, like in Indiana. So many times last year. So the question I have is, can this offense be just as good as last year? Can this year's offense? Here's the thing. Other than quarterback and running back, this offense returns a lot of recognizable faces. You've got seven returning starters. Seven. And you also got players who could easily step into bigger roles like Jaden Thompson, guys like Tyler, guys like Leonard Taylor, guys like Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker, guys like Ryan Montgomery, Miles Montgomery, Corey Kiner, Charles McClellan. If Nick Mardner is as advertised, which, you know, he's had a solid camp. He had a really good day at the scrimmage on Saturday. If 
Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott can build off of what they did last year, if Josh Wiley and Leonard Taylor can have a repeat of what they did last year, if the offensive line continues to be rock solid, more on that in segment three today, it's not inconceivable for this offense to be just as good as last year. Last year's team, despite being very experienced with Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford, like there were some breakout performances. And let's be honest, if you were in on Alec Pierce being an NFL caliber receiver, I'm going to be honest, I didn't think he was going to be that good. 52 receptions, nearly 900 yards, and how many touchdowns did he have last year? He had Indiana, Notre Dame, I think it was six or seven touchdowns last year. If you saw that coming, then good for you. But honestly, I didn't really see that coming. I didn't see Cincinnati being that good as a passing team. I mean, they were prolific last year. Desmond Ritter took a ginormous jump. 33 touchdowns and 7 interceptions in 14 games. That's almost 2.5 touchdown passes per game and half a pick per game. So, really, it, it was just so unique to watch Cincinnati last year. They were an absolute force offensively. And normally, when you look at a Bearcats offense, look at 2019. Like, I know Cincinnati had a 52-point performance against Marshall they had 38 points against Houston, 46 against ECU, 48 against UConn. But outside of that, <coughs> excuse me, um, and 38 points against Boston College, 35 against Miami. But look, some of the games they played that year, like 24 against UCLA, I didn't think they were that great offensively that night. They left a lot of points out on the field. They only scored uh, 27 against UCF. They only scored 24 against Tulsa, 20 against South Florida, 15 against Temple, and then 24 twice against Memphis. So there were a lot of games that year where the Bearcats weren't dynamic offensively, and they struggled to score points. They struggled. I think they were shut out in the first half of the game at at South Florida that year. So historically, and even on Bearcats teams in the Luke Fickle era, 2018, yeah, they had a lot of, yeah, they had some games where they put up points on the board, but like, They won with 26 at UCLA, 21 against Miami, um, um, 37 against Tulane, which is still a large number, 26 against SMU. So they've had performances over the years, but they haven't scored very many points. It's just the last two years they've been so dynamic offensively, thanks to Ritter, thanks to the versatility of the running back room, thanks to a great tight end tandem that's emerged in Wiley and Taylor. And then some transfer receivers, Michael Young, Tyler Scott, and Trey Tucker, recruits who have come in and have just broken out. So there's a reason why last year's offense was so good. And there are ways that it can be just as good this year. But you're asking this offense, with a new quarterback and a new running back, to do what they did last year. This offense is driven through its offensive line. But the two positions that make it go... The two positions that give it that, you know, juice, that flavor and panache is quarterback and running back. And there's a reason why Luke Fickle went to Desmond Ritter in the second quarter at UCLA in 2018. There's a reason Jerome Ford eventually took over as a starting running back in the 2020 season. Because Jerome Ford simply was the answer. He was the, the, the stanger, as I called him. He revved the engine offensively. With his fast with his fast feet. So 
this year, you don't know who the quarterback is going to be. More on that in segment two. You don't know who the running back is going to be. And that's why to ask this offense to score 516 points and 70 touchdowns in 12 games, 13, 14, or maybe 15, that's going to be a tall ask. Like Cincinnati averaged 36.2 points per game last year. I don't know if they're going to average that again. I think they could, but realistically, I understand that there is going to be some growing pains within this offense this year because you have a new quarterback and a new running back. Whoever takes over, they're going to have some growing pains, even if it's the experienced guy and Ben Bryant, even if it's the, you know, dual threat, you know, godlike potential. We, I, I've hyped it up as such in Evan Prater. There, is go- there are going to be some questions surrounding this offense. And last year's numbers are so otherworldly. I just don't think this offense, it's not as talented as it was. It might have more depth, but it's not as talented as it was. Because last year had true players in, not that these guys aren't true players, but like true NFL caliber players, Alpha Dogs in Ritter, Ford, and Pierce. Like, those guys, when you say their names, they are synonymous with success with the Cincinnati Bearcats. So I just don't think that this year's team, because we don't know who's going to be the lead running back if there is going to be one. We don't know who the starting quarterback is going to be. We think we have an inkling about it, and we don't know how good he's going to be. And so that's why I think this offense is going to take a minor step back this year. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go from 36 points a game to 28. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they can. Do I, do I think they're going to drop below 30? No. It might be like 33, 32, something like that. But to say that this offense can be just as good as last year's, it can and maybe it will. But realistically, with a new quarterback and a new running back in place, there's going to be too much growing pains early that by the time they figure it out, and they might score 60 against Kennesaw State. They might score 40 against Miami. They might put up 38 on Indiana again, or maybe just 30. But when you get into conference play, particularly when you go to SMU and UCF, I just don't know if this offense is going to be able to put up that many points. I just don't. I just don't know. And that's why, realistically, the question, can this offense be just as good as last year? They might score over 400. But as good as last year's offense, that offense was is in such an elite, rarefied air class when it comes to Cincinnati Bearcats football, I just can't quite see it. Now then again, maybe it is. But realistically, I don't think it is. Coming up, uh, Camp Higher Ground concluded this week. It's not only the other questions surrounding this year's offense. It's surrounding the entire program. And based on what transpired at Higher Ground this weekend at the scrimmage, it's looking like Ben Bryant's going to be the starting quarterback. That's fine. So long as he doesn't become who Desmond Ritter once was. I'll explain after a word from BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you, your host each and every day here on Lockdown Bearcats. College football season is here officially, folks. Games begin this week week. I mean, you've got power five teams in action this week. This is, and by the way, remember how this used to be week zero? Well, this is now um, week one. So week one is essentially a two week journey. In fact, you want to know, I mean, power five teams in week one in the top 25, you know, nobody from the top 25, but that's okay because you've got ESPN, by the way, listed as August 5th or September 5th. But you've got Nebraska Northwestern this Saturday, noon or 1230 kickoff on Fox. You've got Wyoming and Illinois, 4 o'clock on the Big Ten Network. Florida State taking on Duquesne, 6 o'clock on the ACC Network. North Carolina, or 5 o'clock rather. North Carolina, Florida A&M, 815 on ACC Network. And Vanderbilt going to Hawaii, 1030 on CBS Sports Network. So there is football This Saturday, college football, regular season games. All right, back to the show. The Cincinnati Bearcats. Offensively, talking about their offense today. At the quarterback position, we all know it's the biggest storyline surrounding this program this offseason. It's looking like, though, it's looking to me, from what I've been told, talking to other reporters who've been there, it's looking like Ben Bryan is going to win the starting quarterback competition. Reports are that Evan Prater was choppy um, Saturday during the scrimmage, and Ben Bryan is the most experienced guy. That actually was um, what Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats, who has filled in for me on the show before, um, that's what he told me about the scrimmage on Saturday. Prater looked choppy. Bryan right now is the more experienced guy. This is fine, okay? And I know I've banged my fist and I've banged a gavel that Evan Prater should be the starting quarterback for you know, reasons that might be, you know, confusing to you, but it makes sense to me. You want your most experienced guy, though, to start the opener. And, I, and I'm thinking back to 2018 because this quarterback battle reminds me so much of 2018. I wanted more to start in 2018 because I simply didn't know what Desmond Ritter had. And if you remember, it was 10 to nothing when Desmond Ritter came in. And even though you were like, okay, well, here's the new guy, that wasn't a great position for him to come into. Like, you didn't know how good the offensive line was going to be that year. You didn't know how good Michael Warren was going to be because he was just a fill-in at the time for Jared Dokes. Warren ended up playing the whole season. You didn't know how good Rashad Medeiros was going to be or guys like Khalil Lewis and Jay Sean Jackson. You didn't know how good the offensive line was going to be. If Prater wasn't ready, if Prater's not ready, don't run him out there. 
Now you can have packages for him against teams like Kennesaw State, Miami, and Indiana. Basically, Ben Bryan starting. It does not mean Evan Prater is not going to be the starter or going to play at all at some point. I think there should be packages for him. I think he should get playing time. And the best part is the Bearcats are probably going to blow out Kennesaw State. They might blow out Miami. So you're going to see him in action, potentially for a good period of time, like you did last year. And now I'm thinking about it. Ben Bryant transferring back to Cincinnati was a good thing. Because now, it's after the season last year was, okay, well now we're moving on to Evan Prater. Okay, this is great, but how good is he really going to be? Is he ready for this? He's taking over for the greatest quarterback, arguably, in program history. Evan Prater will now not take over for Desmond Ritter. He'll take over for Ben Bryant. That can only help his development. You can learn from Ben. You are now, because you have been competing against this guy throughout the spring, throughout the fall, and now you can watch him in action. And maybe he'll be just, and he'll be just as much a part of the game planning as Ben Bryant is. The question I have with Ben Bryant, though, and I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Can he elevate this offense? Can he not hold them back? Because there's a lot of talent on this offense, believe it or not. And the quarterback's job, which in this case, Ben Bryant's job, is to orchestrate it. Remember that that conversation that everyone was having when Ritter was holding the Bearcats' offense back? Well, the Bearcats are good. I mean, Michael Warren's really good. Jared Oaks is really good. But is Desmond... Is Desmond Ritter holding them back? Ben Bryant cannot fall into that spot. That's why many people wanted Ben Bryant to start to begin with. He's got to be the reason this offense is good. The Bearcats can't simply win with him. It felt like the first two and a half seasons with Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter. The Bearcats were winning games with Desmond Ritter as opposed to winning games because of him. This year cannot be that. This year, Ben Bryant has to elevate this team. Here's his opportunity. Because fans clamored for him to start up until midway through the 2020 season. Ben Bryant got one start. And that offense that he orchestrated in 2019 was pretty good. Like it wasn't 2018 good or last year good or 2020. It was still a very good offense. And Ben Bryant could not deliver in the fourth quarter. Like... The Bearcats got outscored 17-7 in the second half of that game. Yeah, they made it close. Ben Bryan made some great throws. He also ran for a touchdown. But you saw that there's a ceiling and against good teams. So what happens when the Bearcats run out onto the field at Arkansas? Or what's going to happen when the Bearcats take on UCF and they start scoring? Do you trust Ben Bryan to elevate this offense and win in shootouts? You felt comfortable with Desmond Ritter because he could elevate the offense. After a while, he proved he could do that. It showed in 2020. 42 against SMU, 49 against Memphis, 38 against Houston, 55 against ECU, um, uh, 36 at UCF. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. That was a stretch where he had 10 passing touchdowns. What was it? Um, How many? I forget the exact numbers, but again, I might have been... 10 passing touchdowns and 11 rushing touchdowns in a five-game stretch, which is astronomical. 
And I think it was. So there is there is pressure on Ben Bryant, even though he's the most experienced guy. And I am okay with him starting the opener. But there is pressure on him to elevate this offense. Here's a guy who has been clamoring for his opportunity to be handed the reins to the starting quarterback. And it looks like he's going to get it. But with that, but with great power comes great responsibility. He's got to be able to elevate this offense. Because I will tell you right now, and I'm going to touch on more touch more on this tomorrow. They are going to have to score at Arkansas. That is that again, that game could very well turn into a track meet. Do you trust Ben Bryan to do that? And his one start with the Bearcats, they only managed to put up 24 points against Memphis. And that game was a track meet. Memphis's offense was scary good that year, and it showed. Last year, Ben Bryant, in 13 games at Eastern Michigan, the scores from the games. See, we've got 35, 42, 59, 13, 55, 52, 22. So a mixed bag uh, in the losses, by the way, they had 7, 20, 31, 26, 10, 20. They were 7 and 4 at one point in Eastern Michigan, but then they ultimately fell to 7 and 6. So there is, unfortunately, still a ceiling with Ben Bryant. But his experience is going to win out the starting job. And that's totally fine. But he's got to be able to elevate this offense. Because if we're talking about after week four, while the Bearcats are 3-1 and one and life's good, but, you know, um, Ben Bryant, I'm worried about him. I don't know if he can elevate this offense in the shootout. The true test will come in SMU and UCF. If Ben Bryant's able to put up 40 points per game, hey, you got your quarterback. But if the final score at UCF ends up being like 38 to 28, then we've got questions. And I know you might be saying, well, it's only a 10-point game. Yeah, twenty. the difference between 28 and 38 is actually bigger than you think. So that's what I'm saying with Ben Bryant. He's the most experienced guy, but the Bearcats have to be a team that wins because of him as opposed to just winning with him. There are quarterbacks in college football and the NFL who win games with their team. Then there are those who lift their teams to wins. Ben Bryant has to be the latter of those. Desmond Ritter became that. There was a time when Ritter was just winning games with the Bearcats. And it, the Bearcats were not winning solely because of him. They were winning with him. He eventually became the reason why Cincinnati was winning games. Ben Bryant cannot afford to fall into that spot. Up next, the offensive line absolutely will be a strength of this team, and it's such a relief that they will be. I'll explain why after a word from two of our sponsors. Lockdown Bearcats, your first listen or watch of every day. I'm Alex Frank, your host, your team every day here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. So the Bearcats offensive line. If there's any year where Luke Fickle, and and I think they did this in year two. I think they somewhat did it year three. The last two years, they've done it. You just haven't thought about it as much because of all the explosiveness they had offensively. 
But this year has the opportunity to be the true stamp of this program, how they are driven, how they function, because they are driven through the offensive and defensive lines. And I and I know when I first heard him say that in the press conference, I was like, oh gosh, this is going to be boring. Here's the thing, though. If you're not driven through the trenches, if you don't have power and grit and whatever else in the trenches, then everything you're trying to do offensively and defensively, it starts up front. That is where everything is won. Now, some matchups might be determined based on the receiver, based on a receiver corner matchup or tight end linebacker, but up front is where it all starts. Literally, it's where the ball snapped. I mean, there's so much happening up front in the trenches. All five starters returning for this offensive line is huge. I can't begin to tell you how critical that is. They're going to help the new quarterback adjust. Whoever runs behind this offensive line is going to have success. You know, I'm talking about whoever takes over a running back, whether that's Corey Kiner, whether it's Miles Montgomery, Ryan Montgomery, whether it's uh, Charles McClellan, whoever runs behind this group is going to have success. And three starters, case in point, Renfro, O'Quinn, and Metz, named to the preseason team in Athlon. By the way, two deep is also strong too. uh, James Tunstall, uh, Gavin Gerhardt, there are some strong backups in case one offensive lineman goes down. But I'm looking at John Williams. I'm looking at Jeremy Cooper. I'm looking at Jake Renfro, Lorenz Metz, and Dylan O'Quinn. And I look at a group that is very, very experienced, very talented. Like, it's got a real chance to do some damage this year. I mean, this is an offensive line that has played a lot of ball together they have gone up against some really good teams, Indiana, Notre Dame, Georgia, and Alabama. And this is not your typical group of five offensive line. Like, I think one of the things that gave me hope, and maybe you, was Cincinnati's offensive line was not your typical group of five offensive line going into the college football playoff against Alabama. Like, there's, there was Bucky Brooks from the Move the Sticks podcast said that this is not your typical, you know, lines. There were some beef on guys. Guys like um, all five offensive linemen, then Curtis Brooks, and Maja Sanders, Juwan Briggs, Malik Van. And it all goes back to the strength and conditioning coach, Brady Collins, and the way he has developed this offensive line. This offensive line is going to give you the ability to develop your quarterback and run and move the ball. So while there is, you know, a a transition happening offensively, a major transition happening between um, new quarterback and new starting running back and a whole new running back room, really, we're talking about the same offensive line that held its own in Indiana after, you know, the first 28 minutes and Notre Dame and went up against Alabama. So while the quarterback and running back have questions, and they do, like, if Ben Bryant starts, can he elevate the offense? Is Ben Bryant the actual starter? If Evan Prater starts, is it the right decision? If, you know, when we talk about the running back room, is Corey Kiner automatically the lead running back? You know, what about Ryan Montgomery, Miles Montgomery? What about Charles McClellan? You know, there is a lot of 
Um, there's a lot of questions at those two positions. <coughs> Excuse me. Desmond Ritter and Jerome Ford absolutely were the engines of the team last year. Ritter's dynamic playmaking ability, Jerome Ford's ability to bust one loose at any moment. Four touchdowns against UCF simplified that. The offensive line will give whoever takes over those positions the opportunity to help this offense still be really good, even if they don't reach the heights of last year's team. Like I said, there, there are going to be growing pains for this team offensively. But the good news for them is that they have an offensive line that is both that is rich with continuity, that is battle-tested, and one that is going to give them the opportunity to still move the ball. I don't know if that's going to be the case at Arkansas. I don't know. Same with SMU and UCF. I don't know what it's going to look like when they take on a Power 5 team in a bowl game. Maybe a group of five bowl game. But at the end of the day, this is still a very, very strong offensive line and an absolute strength of this team. We all love the highlight real plays, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, etc. We don't necessarily love to talk about offensive line play, defensive line play, trench warfare, things like that. But at the end of the day, if those positions aren't sufficiently good or adequate, they can wreck an entire offense. And they can be, excuse me, susceptible to pass rush. We saw that last year in the Cotton Bowl. We saw that in the Peach Bowl in the second half of 2020 once James Hudson left after being ejected. So there is an absolute high emphasis on offensive line, offensive and defensive lines driving this program. All right, that's going to do it for me today here on Lockdown Bearcats. The season here on this podcast is underway. Thank you, as always, for making it your first listen of every day. You can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com, all lowercase. If you have a suggestion on something we need to talk about, something you want talked about, reach out in any of those ways. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day, your team every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Now for your second listen, get more on the Big 12 with everyday host Josh Neighbors and the local experts of Lockdown as they take you across the Big 12 in 30 minutes. Lockdown Big 12, your second listen. That's Lockdown Big 12. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel, still up to 430 subscribers and counting. Of course, you can also subscribe to this podcast on an audio platform, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. You can also give it a rating on any one of those as well. On tomorrow's show, we'll take a look at the defensive side of the ball. If you look past the cornerback room, there's a lot of talent on this defense. But the front seven is absolutely going to be a necessity this season. And one thing that should change, it won't, but should. We'll talk about that. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Russ Heltman, James Rapine join me from all Bearcats. Thursday, 700 WLW, Mo Egger will join me. And Friday, still working on getting Chris Vanini from The Athletic to the show. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll be back tomorrow with a look at the defense here on Lockdown Bearcats.